welcome to Dutch Wine Apprentice, the podcast. The following podcast is an integral recording of our talk show, Seller Talks. This show was broadcasted through Instagram Live on our Instagram page. For this reason, there might be references of images shown in the show and audio quality is affected. The full video recording of this show can be watched through our Instagram page in the IGTV section. This edition of Seller Talks Season 2 Episode 6 was broadcasted on Friday the 12th of March 2021. In this episode we welcome Christy Wens, an experienced wine professional, and we talk about the United States. We discuss the major US wine regions and some of their notable wineries and winemakers, as well as the presence and future of the country. Hi everyone, welcome uh, to another edition of Cellar Talks, Season 2, Episode 6. So we're in the season finale and uh, although we have one more episode which we uh, need to rerun, uh, which is postponed, which is Episode 5. And today we're uh, airing the sixth and actually uh, last episode where we will be talking about the United States, another wine country. And today we will be joined by Christy, and Christy uh, lives in the US and is uh, well known uh, with all the wine regions in the US. So she's going to talk to us uh, with us about the United States. Christy, I know you're watching, so welcome. I'm here. Thank you. Hi, everybody. You've got a great scenery. I do. I do. I don't have a glass of wine, but I have vines. So, yeah. And everybody uh, must be thinking what they're thinking about the U.S. This is uh, California or a Napa Valley, but we're certainly not in Napa Valley, right? We are not. We are in the Lake Michigan Shore AVA um, in southwest Michigan. And, uh, well, not a lot of people in Europe would know that there is a wine there. So you can tell exactly. us all about that in a minute, because we're going to talk about uh, uh, the U.S. in general, uh, the, the most important regions, but certainly also the, the, the lesser important regions and parts uh, of the wine industry. Definitely. So thank you for being in the show. And um, we'd like to start with a quick introduction for your side. So tell us a little yeah. bit about who you are, uh, what you do in the wine business. And yeah, just that, basically. Sure thing. So um, I am Christy. Uh, I am a wine travel writer um, and also educator. So I got into wine, well, drinking wine uh, for as long as I can remember, but that was, it was really the wine travel that kind of drew me into the wine world. Um, and it was totally by accident. It was on a road trip in Southern California and uh and not there for wine we were just there you know touring california gonna go mm -hmm. see some friends and we were in the middle of nowhere um driving from palm springs to san diego which is towards the coast yeah. and needed to, needed to use a, a restroom so we uh we found a winery figured they have to have one so we stopped there uh did a tasting and was like well this is great this was a lot of fun yeah. and ended up going to another winery <laughs> and at that winery we met the owner who um, we didn't know he was the owner at the time. And he, he said, oh, guys, you just missed the tour. And this was only the second winery we had ever walked into. You're like, a tour? Yeah, a like, tour? what is he talking about? Like, we just wanted to taste some wine. And he, so he gave us a glass. He's like, oh, come on back with me. And so he took us into the cellar. Turns out he's the owner. And he spent two hours with us. And just talking everything from economics to making wine to tourism, like the whole thing. And at so that point, you got a compressed masterclass there. <laughs> exactly. And I was hooked. That was like it. Um, and then about five years ago, I got into actually um, publishing travel writing articles in wine. Um, and then from there, I started my WSET classes and have since become um, an assistant winemaker here in Michigan um, on a part time basis. So. I've got my hands on a little bit of everything as, as much as I can. Um, I, I just love it all. So I, I'm trying to do as much as possible and figure out eventually someday where I fit. But for now, it's a journey. That's good. But you, you mentioned WSAT, um, some other courses you did. So which WSAT? And you also teach, right? Or not at the moment? Yes. I'm not sure. Yeah, I teach level one um, as well as some consumer classes. And then I've taken through level three. I started my diploma in 20 at the end of 2019 beginning of 2020 and then the pandemic hit so i just put mm -hmm. that on pause because yeah. uh, I, I work from home and then you know study from home and then all of a sudden my entire family was also doing the same at home so it just became yeah. a bit much um so now i'm actually focusing on spanish wine scholar guild 
um, and may eventually return to to diploma. We'll see. But uh, but it's it's it's, 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 it's nice about learning. those courses because uh, yeah. not, not everybody in Europe knows, but these are really like detailed courses like for example spain you mentioned yeah. if you really want to go in depth on a certain country that's that's really cool uh, stuff that you're doing right oh, there. It's, yeah it's fantastic and it's i would say if you've taken level two w set or level three it's it's on the same like playing field um okay. in terms of the the level of education there's a but it just goes so much more in depth for those particular regions they have italian french and Spanish wine scholars, um, and then they also have different master classes for. I think they have. It's also online, right? Or yeah, or yeah, it's, you can do it entirely online. Um, there are places you can take classes. Um, I imagine I don't know if any of them are going right now, but when we can, um, there but are. Even if you're in Europe, but... you could do it online. Uh, yeah, it absolutely. The... Yeah, a lot of the people that are in my class right now are all over the globe. Um, so yeah, easy to do online. It's fantastic. It's fun. It's, it's fun because I don't think you really, I mean, there are in, in certain countries themselves, there are these things that are not always online. So it's cool right. if you could actually say, okay, I've done two, uh, or I've done three, but I don't want to go for diploma. I want something else. I want to exactly. get into this detailed overview. Then this is something that really helps as well. Right. Oh, totally. And it's for me, I'm, I'm super passionate about Spanish wines in Spain. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I wanted to start. But then I, I hope to eventually do Italian and French, too, just because it's it's a lot of fun. And I love love the exploration of it. And like you said, it's, cool. it's easy to do online and you can do it in a way that you can do self-study. So you can do it entirely on your own. Because mm -hmm. like for me, I'm somebody that likes to study on my own by myself. Like I just learned better that way. But then there's also a lot of groups that form. So and that's the um, wine scholar guide, guide, right? Because somebody else yeah. can repeat the name. Yes. Yeah. The wine scholar guild. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so a lot of times the, you know, students from around the world will form their own groups that they have on WhatsApp or, you know, various platforms that they then actually create these study groups with. Um, yeah. So it doesn't have to be on your own. It can be definitely like a community thing too, which is a lot, a lot of fun for mm -hmm. some people nice so and then you said okay you've got your feet in the mud as well because you're actually assistant winemaker so you you also said okay i want to do the practical stuff and not just the theory yeah i love it i love it how I did first, you get into uh, that because that's also by, by accident yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah everything's been by accident really um this one was on a on a trip actually to wine country um here in southwest michigan and uh we were staying at like an airbnb property on a vineyard Mm -hmm. And uh, we met the, the owner of the, the winery and, and hit it off with him and just talked and talked. And he had just bought the winery. He said, can you help me a little bit while you're at it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's pretty much it. I mean, he had just bought the winery. Um, he was looking for help. And I said, well, hey, let me know at Harvest. I'd be happy to come up and pitch in. I know some stuff about how the grapes yeah, grow and yeah, what you exactly, need to do. So I can exactly. do it in practice. It was great. And uh, so I went out. So my first harvest was in 20, see, that would have been eight. Yeah. yeah 2018 um and then again in 19 and then this year i was there for the full harvest as assistant winemaker so there's uh, there's it's, no it's, vineyards it's, it's there actually it's actually funny because a lot, of, a lot of people they um um I, I try to explain to them even by visiting a vineyard you get a totally different oh. view of a wine uh, which 100%. you can never get if you just drink it or at home or you read something about it you need to be there to see the terroir to see where yeah. it comes from and, and then you relate really better to a wine so if you're in the process totally. that must be even it's better. it's intense it's yeah and it's it really makes you appreciate i think all the more what's in your glass like because you mm -hmm. just realize all the steps that this had to go to, you know, yeah. and all the people that have been a part of it and just like the entire life cycle of it within that year. Um, and it's just kind of the story of the year too, you know, like it's that yeah. year all packed into the bottle and it's, it's this one shot every year and that yeah. it, it works and all it. down to that one moment where you have to Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And some sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You have good batches, bad batches, but it's it's incredible. But you learn um, even if it's bad, you still oh learn from it, right? Exactly, exactly. And it's uh, and I, I have learned I think the biggest thing is it's a lot of cleaning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that is what I do the most of. Uh, <laughs> so you're hosing down all the time the oh, yeah. cellar, oh, etc. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The yeah. tanks, yeah. climbing in the tanks, scrubbing the tanks <laughs> out of the under the crush pad with the pressure hose and sometimes uh, I, I can tell the people that are not following you uh, quite some are so uh, some of these people are also in the show at the moment but i can uh, i can tell them the ones that don't follow you follow you if they want to get a glimpse of that they just follow <laughs> you and they watch the stories and some of the pictures yeah. because you get a hands-on view 
Uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I'm still tired from 2020 harvest. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've quite recovered yet. It's, it's grueling. So, it's so awesome. it, it talk a little bit about the wine travel because you, you yeah. said, okay, you're writing about that as well. And, and how does that work? Is it for a magazine or how do you do that? Yeah, it's mostly freelance. Um, I used to have a blog where I'd write for my own blog, but I haven't done that in years. Um, yeah. It's just too hard to keep up with. So mostly I write about it here on Instagram. Um, I'll write for the Vintner Project. I've written for Vino Head. Um, I've written for Finger Lakes Wine Country. Yeah. Um, hopefully, going to be doing some stuff. Yeah, in Michigan we're going to mention too, that as well so, because we cannot yeah. miss out on that. Uh, no, my favorite area. Um, so yes, yeah, so I've written just a bunch of freelance stuff that's out there. Um, there was a, a magazine called Wine Tourist Magazine that was out years ago, and that's where I kind of started. Um, so it's been a little bit of something everywhere, and it's cool. it's awesome. Yeah, because there's so many. I mean, there's wineries in every state in the U.S. at this point. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the quality levels are all going to vary, but there's there's experiences for every type of traveler here. Um, so even in the year, you know, like this year when you can't really travel too far, you know, I'm I'm from Chicago, and to get here in Michigan, it's an hour and a half drive. So it's yeah, and you have it's and doable. you have vineyards. That's what yeah, it is. exactly, exactly. So there's something yeah. for everybody. It's just kind of fun to to see what's out there. I think I've been to wineries and. 26 or 27 states now um oh, so cool. yeah it's like down to nebraska i haven't, nebraska. I haven't even been in that many european wine countries or regions <laughs> and you've already been in so many states where there is wine everywhere like you said at the moment yeah. there is hardly any state that doesn't have wine right yeah oh, exactly and it's funny we laugh like when i was a kid my family took road trips like mm -hmm. my parents would always make us stop at like the little historical markers on the side yeah. of the road to read about history we make our kids stop at wineries <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's also nice history behind those huh? exactly exactly yeah, and our kids yeah. are rolling their eyes like, and, oh, and then you can again? drink wine in the meanwhile and everybody has some fun exactly yeah it's a very blast. cool yeah so um about today i mean um i decided to do an episode on the us and and the reason for that is uh last season uh, we had some guests uh we dove really into particular topics but we also got some feedback from people that um they actually want to learn a little bit about a certain country or a region and okay. um so two weeks ago we had a topic south africa so that was nice because also a lot of people, I mean, um, most people that, that went there at some point fell in love with it and they don't want to do any drink yes. anything else. But if you have never been there, it's hard right. to get your head around it. Um, so it with the US, it's sort of less the same maybe because a lot of people here in Europe um, think like, oh, when you talk about the US, they think about Napa Valley, they think yeah. about Chardonnay and maybe a little bit of Pinot Noir and Oregon. But yep. that's about it. And there's really a lot more to it. So, so um, that's what we want to talk about today. Uh, also, we want to touch a little bit about how the wine business uh, started in the US. So how the vineyards came there and, and then a little bit about what's happening today uh, and also what are the trends. So are there certain things uh, which are upcoming in terms of the winemaking or even maybe uh, uh, sales of the wine? And um, so this is what we're going to end up with. But let's start a little bit. And meanwhile, I will try to get a little map on the on the screen. But uh, you can start to tell us a little bit about uh, the most important wine regions. Um, which are they and what do they grow there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the one, the biggest one, I think the one most people think of when they think of um, wine from the States is California, of course. Um, it is our, our biggest growing region. It is where most of the wine from the States is produced. Um, and it's, but it's really, when you think about it, a kind of a young wine industry out there, right? Especially when you compare it to the old world. I mean, we're not talking, you know, going back several generations, like this really just kind of really started to take off um, in the 60s and 70s. I mean, there's certainly wineries and wines. I think you can trace some back to the, the late 1800s, but then we had prohibition here um, in the States, which of course banned the sales of, of all alcohol. So we had that, that little issue in the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. um, and so really it, it was kind of after that that everything picked back up. Um, and so especially Napa, Napa was really kind of the, the, the region in California that put California on the map. Um, it's not the largest producing region in California, mm -hmm. actually the Central Valley is. Um, and the Central Valley is west uh, or east of uh, Napa Valley. And it's it's just a large valley area. And that's where most of the um, the high quantity, more inexpensive wines are found. Um, and then Napa Valley is where more of our premier higher end wines are in California. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just one region out of, out of so many, but it is definitely the one that put the U.S. on the map and the one that's the most well-known well throughout the world, I think. 
Um, and there you'll find Cabernet, of course, yeah. um, Chardonnay. Um, but you're also going to find Pinot Noir. You're going to find um, Sauvignon Blanc. You're going to find Zinfandel. Uh, there's like there's three climate zones really in the Napa Valley, and the Napa yeah. Valley itself isn't that big. Um, it's maybe I want to say like between 40 to 50 miles north and south, um, and maybe five miles wide-ish or five kilometers. I can't remember what the was. Either five kilometers or miles wide, but it's not very wide yeah. at all. Um, and it's bordered by two mountain ranges on either side. And so it's really not that big of a region, but it's got- So it's nicely shelters in between yeah, those two. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's got just so many different places to plant grapes from the valley floor to up the, the sides of these mountains. Um, and it's got three climate zones. So you've got the, uh, a warmer zone, you've got a moderate zone and a cool zone. Yep. And so you're really able to grow a lot of different varieties and for a lot of different styles there, depending on where you're at in Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something that's maybe not so well known is just how small of a valley it is. Yep. Um, and moving from north to south, I mean, you just have this such a range of climates as well as soils. So and you can find, I think, as many soils in Napa Valley as there are in, in the French wine regions. I mean, it, it's got every type of soil you can think of. Um, plus all these little microclimates. So it's, it's a really special spot. Um, and one of the biggest influences there is the, the ocean. Yeah. Uh, so bringing in the cool breezes and the fogs, and that's really what helps to develop these wines and create these microclimates there and how they're able to do, you know, everything from big, bold Cabernet Sauvignons to really, you know, just these. Yeah, I lost um, the audio for a second, oh, but I think it's oh. back. Yeah, oh, it's back. Okay, you know, I may have to go inside because I think my battery does not like the cold weather out here <laughs> so i will talk and walk um yeah, sure. so, um but the uh so yeah so the, the the cooling breezes so it's really able like i was saying you could create these chardonnays and these uh, pinot noirs into sparkling wines that are just gorgeous you know they've got the acidity they've got the bright fruit and that's from the cooler regions that you'll find in napa mm -hmm. so it's it's just a, a region that's really able to do a bunch of styles a bunch of different grapes um, and it's just one region in California, like I said, that, but it's the most well known. And then you um, also see that, that the winemakers or wineries then uh, in, the, in, the, in the region have different vineyards to be able yeah. to produce this in, in one winery, these different styles? Yeah, yeah, you can. Um, and a lot of times you'll see too, and I think there's a trend moving away from this, but a lot of times um, in California, the um, a lot of times you have a mix of growers and producers. So you'll have yeah. growers um, that grow just the grapes, but they actually don't make wines. They sell their, their yeah. grapes to the producers. And then you'll also have um, people that do both, of course. And I think you're seeing more of a move to that now, as well yeah. as, um, you know, kind of the negotiate model too, the wineries that just make the wines um, and purchase the grapes from the different regions within the area. So it's kind of a mix of everything. And for them, it's easy, obviously, to buy from different sources where they can just exactly. pick and go and see, okay, this is the influence. So this is exactly. where I want to go to with my wine. And then this is uh, yeah, what I need for that. Right. Yeah. 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 So there's a little, there's a little of everything, um, which yeah. is great. So you can have and, a winery that and gets so, some grapes so, from so the mountains, types. gets some grapes from the valleys. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. And soil types, because you said, okay, there's diff all, even different soil types in the region there. What what yes. are we talking about in terms of, can you give some examples? Oh, yeah, so there's uh, definitely alluvial. You're going to find limestone, mm -hmm. um, calcareous limestone. You'll find slate. You'll find shale. Um, you're going to find some uh, volcanic soils even. But like you said, basically it's the same every what you find around yeah. Europe. It's just in a very exactly. small, small area small area and it's going to be different in those pockets of each of those areas you know some are going to be more limestone rich others are going to be more have some more chalk to them um, so just like anywhere it just kind of depends um, it's very very specific to the to the terroir and in each of these little pockets um, so it's, now it's, we go a little bit left and right so uh, okay we're still in uh, california Napa valley but yep. we'll go to the next one in a minute but um which makes me think uh, when you look at europe and how the wine industry is developing there's a lot of uh, increasing demand for terroir driven wines single vineyard wines etc etc yeah. um, so where you really get the expression also of the soil and the climate uh, the microclimates etc um, is this something that's happening as well in the us or was this maybe already the case for a couple of years yeah it's definitely happening it's been happening um so a lot of the places even if they work with different vineyards and different growers will actually mm -hmm. lease 
specific blocks yep. um, or have contracts on those and they have for years. And so they're, you know, the winemakers out there working with the grower, they know the grapes, they know the vineyard. Um, they're out there actually testing this stuff. So it's a very symbiotic relationship. So there's definitely a lot of uh, vineyard specific and site specific wines that you'll find too that are um, just really exquisite and have just some, I, I did a whole range of uh, recently. So this is actually a Sonoma winery, um, which is near Napa, um, but a little bit cooler climate. And they did a whole range of different vineyard Chardonnay and just how different each of them tasted just mm -hmm. based on the change in vineyard. And it was all Sonoma, um, but just different vineyards. They had slightly different microclimates for each of these. And just the way that it it changed the flavor profile and the structure of the Chardonnay. It was just really kind of, just kind of neat to see, you know, and like-, and like Is that something that the, the, the audience and the consumers and also restaurants maybe are tapping into? Because I mean, it's nice that we can do all this stuff and for a winemaker it's exciting maybe, but on the other hand, you need the market for it as well. So is right. it is it, let, let's say getting used to it, is the demand increasing by consumers? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's really where the the, the sommelier community comes in, because mm -hmm. a lot of times they're the ones that can share these stories, right? Yeah. If it's if this wine's just on a shelf at the grocery store, you're not you're it not going to know bring what the that. Story to your, right. Uh, yeah. You don't know what the name of the vineyard means or what, yeah. you know, you know, so that's a vineyard name. OK. But if you're in a restaurant, you're able to communicate with the wine director, or the sommeliers or, or wine educators at the, the wine shops. They're able mm -hmm. to then tell you you know, kind of the story behind this and what that particular vineyard might mean or what this region might mean or what this grower or producer and then is known starts to for. relate to what you're drinking. Yeah. Exactly. And I think one of the things we've seen come out of this year in particular with all the virtual tastings that have happened mm -hmm. is kind of a, a more of a direct to consumer approach. So yeah. now wineries are actually able to meet with their consumers, you know, through Instagram, through Zooms or, you know, so they're, they're really platform. trying to get connected with, uh, with the, exactly. the people that drink the wines. Right. And it's kind of, I mean, it's a great thing. And it, it's interesting to me. I think it'll stick around even after yeah. the pandemic because you can't always get to wine country, you know, like I can't get to Napa as much as oh, I want to, totally um, but this agree. is a way that I can. And it's, it's amazing. And, and it it's, really it's also why we are doing things like this. I mean, a lot exactly. of people uh, still want to learn, but uh, you also don't want to go to a class maybe for instance, and it's the same right. by going to a winery, doing a tasting. I mean, there's nothing better than being there and doing a tasting, but if you can't, exactly. Then, exactly. Yeah, the next best thing is this i guess yeah and it's i mean it takes you around the world and you know with a click of a button and it's yeah. it's a way to connect it's a way to understand the stories and i think that's becoming more and more important to the consumer especially in the states is what is the story where do the wine yeah. come from who's making it where are the grapes grown what are the what methods are they using so i think that's definitely something that you're seeing change um it used to be very much people bought their wine based on knowing a producer and knowing the yeah. quality and the consistency right like vintage maybe the ratings, wasn't ratings a thing. on the bottle so exactly uh, the, the exactly. us is a bit known for having numbers on the neck of the wine and then still okay, do, yeah. that number. <laughs> exactly and there's definitely still a piece to that yeah. um but i think that's just a, it's becoming a piece now like it's yeah. it's not the whole story so people are like okay that has good points but they ask more questions yeah um, why does it have good points why exactly. this one why that one because i mean exactly. they both have great scores but right and then they're going to check you know their their you know different apps that they might use for tracking wines and say okay what are the reviews on this one and it's just kind of but a way collective to... experience yeah exactly to gain a bunch of information like or if you have a friend or somebody you follow on instagram for example and you know you have a similar palette to them you yeah. know you may be able to get some ideas there as well because i don't know if robert park and i have the same palette you know i have no idea i'm sure no he, no you know, no, no. He i mean gives... uh, you, you could say the guy knows something about wine he still exactly have the same taste exactly so it, it's interesting so i think it's like just becoming all these pieces as part of a whole story now which is kind of cool to see. Interesting. so now we're going already into the trends which is good but uh yeah. let's go and zoom into <laughs> another region because uh california and Napa valley we just talked about that well, which one would you want to pick next um so sonoma which is right by mm -hmm. napa is also another really well-known area um and it is a, a same thing is going to benefit from those fogs from those ocean breezes which are really going to help to moderate the temperatures um it's got a little bit cooler of areas than napa so you're going to find pinot noir chardonnay sparkling wine here 
Um, it, it, they've just got some really beautiful stuff coming out of there. Um, and one of the fun stories I just learned myself recently, the um, the famous Judgment of Paris, which is coming up on, a, on an anniversary this yep. year, where um, there were actually some Sonoma grapes um, and not Napa grapes that were in the winning Chardonnay. So kind of interesting oh. there. So yeah, just came Everybody's from thinking, ah, oh, it must be Napa Valley, right. but that's not <laughs> right. the case. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that was kind of cool to learn. Um, but yeah, it's just, and when you visit, I think this is one of the things I get as a takeaway are like Napa and Sonoma are such different places to visit. Mm -hmm. like Napa is very, um, very estate-like, very, you know, almost chateau-like. They're just yeah. beautiful properties, beautiful grounds. Um, it tends to be more formal. Tastings tend to be more formal. The, the place is more A grand. lot of tourism involved in that as well. For sure. And yeah. then you go to Sonoma, and Sonoma has some of that too, but then you also find... Um, Tranquility, quietness. Yeah, yeah, a lot more quietness and just some places, like more um kind of family oriented like just really welcoming easygoing type of places yeah. so so you can come with your dog and your kids and exactly and, 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 and never family sometimes yes. that's possible sometimes they right. just look at you like mm, yeah like why are you that's yeah that's not part of the <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah which is understandable i mean like i said yeah, that's yeah. what's really cool is there are these you know there's experiences for everybody and there's all the different types of experiences and i think it's a great advice that you're giving for people that want to go to the us and do a wine tour wine holiday uh, if you're yeah. thinking about which region should i pick that also relates yeah. to your situation if you're coming alone together with Definitely. your wife or your husband and uh, with kids or dog yes yeah, yeah, it can definitely change. Um, and then there's just, I mean, there's so many regions out there too you could pick from. One of my my personal favorite um, California regions is actually Paso Robles, yeah, which is down um, down the coast, down south mm -hmm. from the coast, and it's um, it, it's definitely warmer. But they also, again, those ocean breezes was just yeah. just kind of the story for California in general. Um, but Paso Robles is it's just kind of a again, it's it's more like Sonoma in terms of a family style. Um, definitely could do it as an individual or with your friends or as couples, but but it's also got that really welcoming vibe. Um, and it's, I think I fell in love with it because it was so collaborative. Like all yeah. the all the wineries recommend each other. They all know each other. It's just such a real wine community. Not really competition um, going on. There's just yeah, people like yeah. wine and they want to share this. Exactly, and they and they produce so many different styles. Again, so you can find. Rhone varieties there, so you'll have your um, your GSMs. You're going to have mm -hmm. your, um, and they'll, you also have Chardonnays. You'll have Sauvignon Blancs, and they're one of the. I think what they're hoping to become known for, I think, is Cabernet Sauvignon, okay. and uh, and they do it really well. They actually have a lot of similar soil types to Bordeaux, um, but then they have the weather of Napa, so it's it's really just kind of a good combination. Uh, exactly, and some of the cabs coming out of there are really rich, incredible. So to, uh, something to watch for us as well to in the future to uh, keep an eye out for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think you'll definitely see some more. I know they're I know they're starting to to trickle over to Europe through some of the mm -hmm. producers. So, and anything else on the West Coast, or um, do we cover? Let's say most of the. Yeah, I think we covered California pretty well. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's I'm, in a nutshell, there's so yeah. many. You know, Santa Barbara, Santa Inez. There's I mean, there's you know, Anderson Valley. You could keep going and going in California mm -hmm. easily. Um, but I think a couple other important West Coast regions, Oregon and Washington, those are probably yep. the next two biggest ones. Um, Oregon, of course, for the Willamette Valley, and uh, they're known there for their Pinot Noir yep. and uh, their Pinot Gris and some of their sparkling wines, too. And it's they're just doing some really amazing stuff. It's um, west of the, the Cascade Mountains. Mm -hmm. cool climate again those ocean breezes are going to make a difference there um and they just are able to you know just get this really beautiful acidity these really lean fruit characteristics yeah and and it's some of the pinots are almost burgundy-esque i mean they're just gorgeous um so that's definitely a, a region i would i would put in your you know in your uh in your brain go to, to know. go to list yeah yeah exactly uh, so we got a question here. Yeah. I tried to do some questions in in between, and we have some to the end as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Question: Is export necessity necessity for uh, uh, West Coast wineries, or is it more like a prestige thing? I mean, there's already a big in, internal market, obviously, and tourism yeah. combined with that. So, how important is export for those? I I would say it's. A, I mean, it's really uh, dependent on the winery and dependent yeah. on the production numbers um you know some of the smaller places just don't have the quantity to be able to export because it's all you know yeah. i would say the majority of their sales are going to be in the tasting room or locally 
Um, so I would say- And then say, they make good margins on that as well, I guess. So, exactly, yeah. yeah, tasting rooms especially. I mean, those are, that's just where a lot of the wineries make the bulk of their money. And, and we're yeah. mo we'll find most diverse range of their product too. So even through, you know, domestic distribution, um, you're not gonna get the kind of the range that you'll find when you're actually at the winery, so. No, they, they will limited. probably take one of their lines and maybe two or three bottles where they say, okay, exactly. this one's we pick for that and the rest, no, that's not just going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So I would say in terms of exports, um, I think, yes, definitely there, you know, the U.S. wants to be on the world stage in terms of wines. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, California, I think all the regions in the States would love to be on the world stage. So I think exports are important, you know, from that standpoint. But I think it'll come down to the actual producer, whether or not they have the means or the, the quantity to be able to do that. Yeah. So before we go, uh, we move a little bit away from West Coast, California. Can you tell us a little bit about the way, um, uh, let's say, the governance uh, in the wine uh, in the wine country is made of? Because we totally forgot about that, but that's different than it is in, uh, in, the, yeah. in Europe, although there are some similarities. So how do the regions, how are they built up and what kind of levels and quality levels maybe yeah. are there? Um, there's really no quality level markers here. Um, yeah. Like we don't have Grand Cru, we don't have yeah. um, Premier Cru, we don't have anything like that. Um, we do have American viticultural areas, the AVAs, yeah. but those aren't even really necessarily a marker of quality. Basically, those are just designating boundaries, basically. Exactly. That, you know, basically says, yes, vinifera can grow within these areas. Um, and a lot of times those AVAs are set before there's even really producers proven quality. So, yeah. it, you know, sometimes they're developed afterwards. Um, you know, sometimes you'll see the AVA is developed after there's a bunch of wineries that come in and say, hey, we can do this. Look at what we're doing. Yeah. And then an AVA now, is Now formed, we've got a group but... of, 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 of wineries doing this. Exactly. So it makes sense to create an AVA on top of it. Yeah. That. Yeah, but then other times it's, it's you know, there might be one or two and now there's an AVA. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it, it changes. I mean, their, their borders change. You can have, you know, part of an AVA in, in one, you know, region and kind of crossing into another AVA and sub-AVAs. So it gets so, kind of So, so why, why are they there, actually? Because if I listen to all of this, I'm like, okay, what's the use of it? Yeah, they do. Um, they will set their percentages. So depending on the AVA, you know, if you're producing a particular style and it's you want to label it single varietal from that AVA, they're going to have percentage restrictions. So it either has yeah. to be, you know, like 75% Cab Sauv to be labeled Cab Sauv or 80%. Um, yeah. But again, that's going to vary depending on the AVA. So that's what makes it tricky. Um, yeah. There's just each one can have its own rules and regulations. But so it does serve that kind of a purpose if you're going to use the ABA on your label you have to meet certain requirements um yeah. but it's certainly not a quality i mean there's no quality but it's, so you said it's all. more about what what do you use in your wine which varieties are let's say it, it's more linked to for which varieties is the ABA known more or less and yeah. also make it easier to make it easier for consumers or is that really not a I think, yeah, I think it gives it just kind of a general idea of where it's from and it gives you yeah. an idea of, you know, like I know where Columbia Valley is in Washington, so I have an yeah. idea of what's what's made there. Um, but there's less restrictions on actual t variety types, like yeah. you can pretty much grow what you want there. It's mostly when it comes down to using that, that single variety label on the bottle. Um, yeah. that they'll have some restrictions. So it's really, really totally not like denominations or something like that. That's no. a very different <laughs> no. story. Yeah, there. very different, very yeah. different. So yeah. um, some other regions, because we're not done yet. I mean, well, we, we, we sort of went through <laughs> California, but then what so we have 47 more states. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've really got good. some time. Exactly. Um, Washington is where I would move up to next. So that's just north of Oregon. Um, and Washington, their wine region is actually to the east of the Cascade Mountains. So those same Cascade Mountains that run through Oregon, um, Oregon's Willamette Valley is on the west side of those. And then in Washington, the Columbia Valley is on the eastern side. Mm -hmm. and and, you know, when I picture, and this was, it took me going there to really kind of fully understand it too, because I picture, when I think of Washington State, I think of Seattle, and yeah. I think of all the movies and how rainy Seattle is, and cloudy, and pine trees, and it's, you know. And that you think about, huh, wine? Yeah, like, Rips. how does that work? Grapes don't got, like water, all they like water, but exactly. not too much. Yeah, like, that doesn't make sense. And then I got there, and I remember driving in into the valley, and it's just such a desert. It was so different than I was expecting, and there's mountains, and it's dry. Um, but, and it is, it's just a high desert. So it's yeah. completely different than what I imagine, like in the actual Pacific Northwest of Seattle area to be uh -huh. like, if this is, 
it's dry. Um, so they're able to really do a lot of organic viticulture mm -hmm. there because it's so dry. So in the winds, um, really kind of protect the vines from all the disease that could, you know, potentially happen in a more moist climate. Mm -hmm. um, the roots have to go really down deep into the dirt to find, you know, the nutrients and pull those out. So you're really getting those struggling vines that are going to have those concentrated flavors. And here you're going to find, um, they're known for Merlot and Riesling. Um, you'll find Chardonnay, you're going to find Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc. I mean, you're going to find it all there. Mm -hmm. My particular favorite in Washington, though, is Syrah. Um, I just think the grape does really, really beautifully there. Like just, yeah. it's, I don't know, they're just- Also because of the warmth of the heat. Exactly. Yeah. The diurnal shift, like the temperature from day to night. I mean, you got those, those warm temps during the day that are going to ripen the grapes. And then at night, the cool desert temps just drop. And so they both retain that acidity too. So if we so want to, we want to try something cool and typical for that yes. reason, try Syrah. I would try Syrah. Yeah. They're known Which for their Merlot as would well. Have but, think of then, but, right. Yeah. yeah. It's, I find it very, very similar to, to Rhone style Syrahs. Like it's mm -hmm. got that black pepperiness to it. It's, you know, they're, they're not jammy. They're very lean. They're very, you know, bright, fresh fruit flavors. Um, mm -hmm. Just really, really, the structure is incredible. So that, that's my recommendation for Washington. But, okay. but you can find, like I said, most, most international grapes there as well. Which is, uh, uh, brings us to one of the questions which relates, uh, I think, a little bit to that. We're, we're using references here. And we do mm -hmm. that because a lot of people are from Europe that are watching, are watching. But in general, it's been done a lot in the US. So, uh, yeah, the question is, uh, when you talk about Bordeaux-like, almost Burgundy, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, if you would step away from that and you would just say, okay, I want to define something really typical for the mm -hmm. US. So, which, which region would you then, region would you pick? Oh. And what would make it U.S. wine? I mean, I know right. a lot of the grapes originally come from Europe, but still, there yeah. must be something where you say, okay, uh, Pinot Noir, okay, you've got France, and yeah. then, okay, we've got Pinot Noir from Oregon. So when do we put something first, and then not second? That's a good question. Um, and I, yeah, it's interesting, too, because I find you know, and I talk to people about that here too. Like when you're, you're tasting yeah. wine from the Finger Lakes, for example, if it's a Cabernet from the Finger Lakes, I tell them you can't compare that to Napa. It's not the no. same thing. Um, and it's similar. I mean, it's kind of this, the same story, right? Where it's not, it's not Bordeaux. It's not Burgundy. It's not the same terroir. It's not the same culture and the, you know, hundreds of years of tradition. It is, mm -hmm. Like I said, it is relatively new here. Um, so there is, you know, you can make the comparisons because I think it's what people understand and it's what people yeah. know. So it's kind of a reference point. Um, but it's, it's apples and oranges at the same time. You know, you can't, it's just different. It's different cultures. It's different, uh, terroir. It's different climates, yeah. different soil. I mean, it's, it's different. Um, you can have limestone in Napa and limestone in Bordeaux, but it's, it's, you know, they're in different places. They're in different yeah. climates. They work differently. Um, so yeah, so I think that, that is an interesting question. Um, and if I had to pick one that like stands out is truly, oh, it's hard. Cause I mean, they're all so different. Um, but I think they could each stand on their own at this point, you know, like, I mean, Napa is certainly known for their cabs, um, yeah. also known for their Chardonnays and, you know, they, they got into this style for a while where everything was really kind of like heavily oaked. Um, and that, that's moving away. A lot of this moving away as well. Yeah, definitely moving away from that. Now I think you're seeing a bit more balance, a bit more refinement in terms of, of that. Um, there's still a market for it. There's definitely still a demand for that style as well, but you're seeing a, a shift to more subtle styles of oak mm -hmm. and more neutral styles as well. Um, so the answer, the answer maybe question. is we should just try to not use the comparison anymore yeah. and just see it is is uh, look at it as uh same grape but very different yes. taste flavor style of winemaking maybe even as well yeah. maybe the winemaking style makes a difference i don't know i think so too and i think yeah, yeah but i think even like today you find a lot of winemakers travel the world to learn different yeah. techniques you know they're training all over the place so it's even that's you know, can't really kind of be pigeonholed to one particular yeah. area, but I think it's normal to, to kind of use things that, you know, as a reference point. I mean, we do it for everything, you know, it's like, you know, when I travel Italy, like, I think, gosh, this looks a lot like this part of California. Like yeah. you're just associating it to things that, you know, and I think that that's normal, but then I think you also need to kind of take that step back and say, okay, yes, it, it has similarities, but what makes it different? You know, what, Look at what what's different. That, Look at what's yeah. different, not just what, at what's the same. Basically. yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah.
perfect one. Okay, so um, yeah, it was certainly yeah. a great question. Um, thank you, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> next time, Tim. Um, yeah, but next time we should have you in the show. I mean, yeah. Tim's asking you good questions here. Um, so, and then we move on. So we went up a little bit more. Um, so yeah. next region. Next region, I'm going to take you to my favorite one, um, and that's the Finger Somebody Lakes. was asking for that as yeah. well. <laughs> Finger Lakes of New York. It is, it's the, the region I can talk about for days and days and days. Um, my absolute favorite region, and it's, it's a cool climate region. It's in upstate New York. It's where I really, you know, I mentioned earlier that I, I got into wine by accident out in California, but the Finger Lakes is really what made me take the turn into taking it really seriously. Like, yeah. I just fell in love. Um, it's cool climate so it's they definitely get a lot of snow um but there are Compared a little it, bit with germany yeah exactly exactly yeah um very similar you know weather um but the the unique thing is they have the, these series of lakes there's actually 11 of them um mm -hmm. and they call them the finger lakes because they're just these long and skinny lakes that were mm -hmm. um carved out by glaciers and there's three of them where most of the grapes are, are produced around and they are extremely deep. Um, I think, I don't even know how deep Seneca Lake is, but it never freezes. Um, that's how deep it is. So it actually never, mm -hmm. I think it froze once in the last hundred years, maybe, maybe it's more than a hundred years now, but it basically never freezes. Mm -hmm. And so these lakes act as temperature moderators. And so in the summer, they keep the, the vineyards, you know, nice and, and a little bit of cool breezes. And then in the winter, so it's, they it's sort of less like the, 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 the hills, uh, the slopes against the right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We have exactly. the same thing, but this yeah. is on a lake next to a lake. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they're just lakes. Um, and they, you know, you, it's, it's known for Riesling. It's really known for Riesling mm -hmm. there. Um, all different styles that, you know, dessert styles to the, the bone dry. Um, but they really, they all have this just incredible acidity that I think mm -hmm. is what kind of makes them kind of stand apart. This acidity and this minerality, they almost remind me of Alsace in a, in a way, yep. like it's just, they're so sharp and bright and, and clean um, and just really, really beautiful. And like I said, all different styles. So you can, depending on what type of Riesling you're looking for, you'll find it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, they're just really, really done beautifully. But one of the things that they have there that, you know, you might not see as much in California or Washington or Oregon even is vintage variation. Okay. Um, you know, the climate is, is pretty standard year over year, but the weather patterns can be completely different. So you can have a really, really nasty winter where you're going to, you know, run into some trouble with the vinifera. Other winters are beautiful. Sometimes you get rain at harvest, which, you know, obviously yeah. bad for the grapes then. So it really, it changes year over year. And I think that's one of what makes it so cool is you get this vintage variation in the grapes. So like I said, when I, you know, one of the things that, that I love about making wine is like, it takes that whole year and puts it in a bottle. And, and yeah. here you really see that, like the difference between each year. Um, and I think it's it great for verticals. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think it also, it's a place for the winemakers to really shine. Like, you know, yeah. if you're, you're given the same beautiful weather year over year, you're making the same wine, like, you know, yes, there's still a talent and a skill. With in all respect, there. you get McDonald's wine. You always get yeah, the same, whatever the same. In the world you go to a McDonald's restaurant. You exactly. Know what exactly yeah. and then here it's like the the winemaker just you know you got to go with the flow you got to give yeah. go with what mother nature handed you this year and you know that that definitely makes it frustrating when you only get 40 to 50 vintages in your lifetime or your career yeah. um but it but it also makes it exciting and different every year and i think they're really kind of able to to prove their their skill and their talent um in these types of situations so and there's um, a lot of riesling you said there I know which one is your favorite yes. grape. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. For white wines, yeah. In in the Finger Lakes, Riesling would be it just that I would pick that in a heartbeat. Riesling Day is tomorrow, by the way. So yeah. good no. time to get a Finger Lakes wine. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see if I can get one on short notice here. In, in exactly. Exactly. Um, but then my favorite red would be the um, Cabernet Franc in the Finger Lakes. It just, it, I don't know. That, that's what, that was the grape I fell in love with in the Finger Lakes. Like mm -hmm. It just, the cool climate style is, is just the high acidity, the, the really bright red fruit flavors. You get the graphite still in there and it's, it's gorgeous. Um, you'll find Zweigelt, you'll find uh, Lemberger Blaufrankisch, whichever one you want to call it by. Um, that does really well there too. Pinot Noir, you're going to find, um, there's even Cabernet Sauvignon that grows on this one part of Seneca Lake that they call the Banana Belt area. Yeah. 
And so it's on the east side of the deepest lake. And it just, it's in this little warm pocket. It's the deepest part of the lake. And so it just brings up this warm air in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And so Cabernet Sauvignon is actually able to ripen really well there. Um, it's kind of interesting. Funny. And Syrah, you'll find Albarino. And, and, how, and how did they get those, uh, how did they decide to, to plant those grapes there? How long ago did this process start? So how old is this yeah. region in, in, anyway? Um, in it actually goes back into the 1800s, I think, okay. um, with sparkling wine. And that mm -hmm. was mostly done with um, native grapes, so not vinifera. Um, but they were producing wines, they were doing sparkling wines. And then it was in the 1960s, I believe, a, um, a man by the name of Konstantin Frank came over mm -hmm. from, uh, he's Uk Ukrainian, came over, I believe, from the country of Georgia um, and started working in the wine industry and fell in love with the region and realized that, you know, you really grow vinifera here. Yeah. And so he actually started bringing in vinifera and that really changed the region from that point on. So from the sixties onwards. Yeah. 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 Um, but the, actually the very first U.S. bonded winery is in the Finger Lakes, um, wow. which is kind of, yeah, which is kind of fun to think about. So the, the very first winery is actually in the Finger Lakes, the bonded, you know, mm -hmm. sure there were wineries all over the place, but the first bonded one is actually in the Finger Lakes. And um, so then uh, when did the Riesling go into play? Can you point during that, Yeah, into... during that time they brought in Riesling, um, they brought okay. in Chardonnay, they started doing, they brought in um, some French winemakers from Champagne. They started mm -hmm. making sparkling wines and, and Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Um, and it's really during this time they started bringing all of it in and, uh, and Riesling just, just took off because it, it's, it grows in this climate really well. Um, and uh, it's great because you can do so many different styles of wine with the Riesling. Yes. So yeah. That helps uh, you'll you find sparkling there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. And like, so there's everything there. Yeah. You'll find, I think some world-class Chardonnay happening there now too. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's just a, it's a beautiful region. There's it's funny because a lot of people uh, don't don't know it's uh, the region at all, and also yeah. uh, even if they know it, they probably don't know that the varieties are this diverse. Right, oh, incredibly diverse. Yeah, it's right. it's insane. Um, but it, like I said, two I think over two hundred wineries they have now on the the three lakes there. So it's we're, we're not going to go uh, over the uh, do the naming game per region yeah. for uh, interesting wineries, but can you for this one? <laughs> Can you recommend some some good wineries for us to yeah. look at from the Finger Lakes or, 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 from... or upcoming? Yeah, upcoming. Oh, that would yeah. say okay. This this is great oh, potential. Goodness. Where I think <laughs> uh, when we talk about world stage, I mean maybe yeah. the Finger Lakes district is the the, the region that's going to be. Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, I would expect to see uh, Herman J. Weimer um make that world stage they're they're just doing some really incredible stuff they're, they're doing biodynamics now too they're i mean they're really technologically pushing the envelope and, and doing some mm -hmm. cool things um gosh there's so many there that i love so much forge sellers is awesome mm -hmm. um they're distributed pretty well uh they do riesling and pinot noir only but that will be um, the next question can we get them uh, at all in europe that's a good it's, question. It's just difficult, of course, but... Uh, I, believe, I believe there's Riesling from Boundary Breaks in mm -hmm. Europe, I think. Maybe Ravines, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, they're even hard to get in the United States. Yeah. It, it's hard for me to get them in Chicago. There's never right? enough, probably. Yeah, exactly. I'm only 10 hours, um, which is why we drive there, because then I have yeah. a trunk, trunk of wine. You could pick and... it up if you want to. <laughs> exactly, and I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's so many. I, I would say if anybody you know, wants any recommendations or finds one in the market and wants to know about it, just, just ping me and I will yeah, you, let you know. You post a lot of it as well. Yeah, so, it's, I, uh, I, I recommend kind of anybody to follow you anyway, <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that, that really helps people to get their head around what, what's interesting and what's happening. Yeah, yeah, and it's fascinating. And I think, um, you know, kind of on the heels of that, I think will be Michigan. Um, and especially with climate change, I think that's one mm -hmm. of the things that we're gonna see is, is Michigan really start to become um, the next wine growing region. It's still relatively small and new now, um, but I think it's got five five American viticultural areas. Um, yeah. So it does ha have five official ones. Um, but I think with climate change, it's got the soils, it's got the lakes for moderating the temperatures again. Um, it's, so it's well, like why do you think, I mean, this is why it would move into this direction. But then again, mm -hmm. the question is, what would make it then stand out from the others? Because the others already have that, although obviously right. climate might change for the worse there. But exactly. what, what makes Michigan then on top of that so interesting? Um, I think, 
I think you'll see it's, it'll be another cool climate region that'll be special. Um, mm -hmm. And here, I think you're going to see the Alsatian varieties do really well. Yeah. Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc, Riesling, Gorchtminer, um, Pinot Noir. And I think you'll see some Cabernet Franc do really well here. So I think it's going to be those cool climate grapes and styles. There's also the trend what people are uh, longing for more now these days. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, you know, there's definitely already a bunch here. They're very tourist focused and tourist driven. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're not going to find many Michigan wines outside of the state of Michigan, some, but but not many. Um, but I think that'll be changing. There's definitely, there's more okay. growers coming in. There's more vineyards being planted. There's, um, and it's vinifera, which I think is, is exciting to see. There's definitely still some hybrids and, and those are always going to be, you know, part of this for a while, but I, yeah. I think it's a misconception to think it's all hybrids because there's, there's really a lot of vinifera going in. Okay. Interesting. Good to keep our eyes out for that one yeah. because, uh, also a hidden gem, I would say. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's not just come see me in Michigan. Yeah, we should. I mean, uh, I'm all up for it. So, uh, we got a question. If we're talking about yeah. personal preferences, anyway, what would be yeah. your favorite grape of all the varieties growing in the U.S.? So Riesling is one, but yeah, and Cabernet Franc. And Cabernet. So yeah, Riesling and Cabernet, yeah, which makes my, you happy. It does. It's my. It's my obsession. It's definitely okay. my obsession. <laughs> Good. So uh, I think we covered, let's say, the most interesting regions that we wanted to talk about. Obviously, there's still more, but um, tell us a little bit about what's happening in terms of trends and developments. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. what the consumer preferences are, or yeah. uh, maybe even with the winemakers, are there new things that are happening at the moment? Which... Yeah, I think um, I think in terms of consumers, we kind of touched on it a little bit. Is is there you know, open to more new things, more new varieties, mm -hmm. more new winemakers, more new styles. They, and they're really curious about the story, about where the grapes come from, how the wine is made, what's going into it, the process. So I think that's kind of a new trend. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're also going to see a lot more direct to consumer sales happening, yeah. especially coming out of this year. Um, I think that that's uh, something that'll probably, because we have this, you know, three-tier system here where everything's got to go through, you know, distribution and imports when stuff's brought yeah. in like it's just it's in the shipping laws from state to state are kind of chaotic um and, and depend on the state so i think you know we'll see some change there with this more of a direct-to-consumer shift especially through all the virtual things we're just able to reach so many more people now than we were mm -hmm. um maybe not than we were i mean it's always been we've had this capability for a while but now yeah. we know it's here and we know it works um and e-commerce i think you're seeing a big move to that um so a lot of you know places having online shops and, and using you know either third-party shippers to be able to ship to all the states or they you know file the licenses themselves so i think you're going to see a lot more e-commerce sales so the um, wine's going to be spread out throughout the u.s more and yeah. more than it I is think so. now now a lot of the reasons so. the wine like you said michigan is maybe one example which is yeah. quite typical but a lot of the run um states stays in the states for consumption yeah. and now it's going will be going more outside uh, yeah exactly uh, yeah and depending on the state year i mean there's a couple states that can't even accept alcohol shipments yeah. um, based on their laws so it's it's really dependent on the state which is kind of interesting yeah. Um, but then and I also I saw some yeah. uh, over last summer I saw some uh, more uh, canned wines uh, lots, coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, lots I know you're more, a wine lover, um, so get your personal yeah. opinion uh, ready. And uh, oh, well, yeah. uh, maybe it's not that bad. I mean, I, I've never um, tried too much of it, but it's a, it I seems think, like there is a a moment for drinking canned wines. I think so. I think there's a convenience factor. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely, it's you're not going to find your you know your your ageable wines. No. Cans. Really, the fresh the, ones you yeah, want to have in a yeah, can. Yeah, the, the drink now, take them to the beach so you don't have to have glass bottles or, you know, mm -hmm. at the pool, that kind of thing. So I think there's a convenience aspect. Um, I haven't, I've only had a few and, and it's, and it's mostly my own personal bias. I just like yep. opening a bottle and pouring it into a glass. Um, but I have, I've heard that there's some ones out there that are, that are actually, you know, really good quality wines. Um, I, it's just more of my, my own personal. Kind of oh, and I can't like, imagine oh, if you're yeah, sitting yeah. on a rooftop terrace or in a nice club, uh, yeah. in New yeah. York, for instance, in the summer, well, it might work if it looks nice. It might, and, yeah, it yeah. might. And you can always pour it from the can into a glass if you want. So, I mean, there is that. <laughs> Yeah, one of the big winemaking trends I think you're going to see is a move towards a lot more sparkling wine. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's a, a growing demand for that. And I think 
um, you know, you're finding more places like the Finger Lakes in Michigan, the, the cool climates, you're able to, you know, get the acidity levels and the right, you know, type of ripening that you need for that. Um, mm -hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that coming, coming in the next several yes. years, I think. So Tim, Tim is saying, Ken's next step is cardboard carton. Uh, we yeah. had that in Germany. Saying, yeah, we, yeah, we've got boxes too. Well, uh, uh, yeah, well, uh, we have to say that there are a lot of people enjoying good wine and also from a glass or from yeah. a bottle. So yeah. it's really not the typical thing. It's just that it's some things are just pick, picking up. And uh, with young exactly. people, maybe it's also a thing um, yeah. Yeah. where they yeah. just do it and go to friends and want to bring a six pack of wine instead of a six exactly. pack of beer. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it <laughs> and of course, the portions are also different that we have to keep in mind. Uh, oh. Not everybody wants to drink a full bottle. And if you just exactly, want to have a glass or two. Exactly. Right. And well, that's what you got to remember with the cans is it's actually a half a bottle of wine in a can. Yeah. And it's deceiving because you don't like, you know, when they I think, think of opening, well, it's not a lot. Yeah, so. exactly. Like I think of opening a can, I think of soda or a beer and, you know, yeah. it's you usually have two and then, you know, you drink your can of wine. It's like, oh, I know that's it. <laughs> like yeah. it just, it's, it's, enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, you know, so you got to check the ABV on those and like, look at the yeah. serving size because that's a good tip. Matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, in the meanwhile, if uh, people have any other questions, they can drop yeah. them in the question mark box. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, or in the chat. I mean, uh, we can keep yeah. up now a little bit, so that's okay as well. Um, um, normally, I have a question from the previous guests uh, for you, but at the oh, moment, um, yeah, the fun, the fun, yeah, yeah it's fun. <laughs> but the problem is, my show last week got postponed, so uh, oh, I didn't no. uh, get any question. But what I have for you, you can ask him a question because he's got. Right. come back in two weeks and um, that's uh, joseph um, and joseph davana who is a winemaker from originally zimbabwe but he uh, wow. lives and works in south africa so we're going okay. back to south africa but then to a typical uh, a winemaker not a winery because this okay. is one of the guys where you say this is like the garage winemaker that yeah. just buys the oh. vines and makes his own wine and is successful with that. I but that. Um, would you have any question uh, for him about uh, making wine uh, as you're also assistant winemaker here, yeah. uh, but maybe about South Africa or anything that you think oh, about it. So you don't have to do it straight away. Um, yeah, I, my, but, my uh, question would be, I think, where does he see the South African wine industry heading? Um, mm -hmm. Especially after this year, because I know with the on again, off again, you know, stop and starts that they had um, yeah. through the pandemic, I know they're they're going to face some I'll challenges dance, there. Yeah. yeah, but I think you know, prior to this year, I think we started to it kind of you know started to grow on the world stage, you know, in quality. Like you know, yeah. people were starting to take notice. Um, you know, are they still going to kind of you know try and push that momentum? Did it get stalled? Yeah, they, so they, they got curious. pushed back. So obviously, right. they were yeah yeah so i'd be curious to see like where you know did it set them back or you know did it not matter and they're still gonna you know they're still at that that same point i'd, I'd be curious to see like where where he thinks they're at what this past mm -hmm. year kind of kind of did if it did anything um and what their challenges are and what they want to do question. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to ask him, so uh, let's see what uh, comes out of that. Awesome. Cool. Um, in the meanwhile, no other questions. So unless somebody stands up now and uh, puts <laughs> their finger in the in the sky, then uh, we can still answer that one. But uh, I would like to thank you already very much. Thank you. Uh, I think we learned a lot of cool stuff uh, already. Somebody in the audience saying, great. okay, I learned some great stuff about finger legs. Well, I'm sure a lot of people did that because, um, yeah, not so well That's known, good. but uh, should no, not, not be forgotten. Definitely not. Yeah, it's definitely a region to know. I know it gets like maybe a paragraph in most wine education books, but it, it deserves ah, more. We, we can try to yeah. change this a little bit by doing stuff like this. So uh, exactly. Let's, exactly. Let, let's work on that. And um, yeah, like I said, thank you very much. And yeah, um, well, uh, I would encourage everybody to follow you if they not, are not already doing that, because you share some great stuff and, uh, and not in Europe at the moment, but I, ho I think no. you hope that you can go back and travel again to Europe. Yeah, I would love to relocate there one of these days. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a, a dream. Good ambition. It is. It is. Hopefully. And so hopefully. let me end with one question from my side then. Uh, yeah. What's your favorite region in Europe? Oh, that's hard too. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, that's also difficult to choose. Huh? Oh yeah. Okay, you could you could pick two because okay. sometimes you've got okay uh, this one this one and mm. you cannot compare them so you could pick two. I know it's so hard. Um, I would say, gosh, 
Um, Gotta guess you had. Brunello, Brunello de Montalcino yeah, is probably my favorite um, Italian wine. And then Champagne for the, France. And Brunello, um, there's, 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 there's this great, even uh, the name Brunello de Montalcino, there's yeah, this great ring so, around, around, around yeah, it. So. Exactly. And I mean, it's a Champagne, but I feel like everybody said, like, it, that's just, you know, Champagne, Champagne. Yeah. It's amazing. But probably un favorite unexpected region, I would say Languedoc-Roussillon area. Um, yeah, book, yeah. in France. I, I love it there. I love the wines coming out of there, the style, the the people. Um, that was probably one of my favorite visits. So I, I, I hope you can get, go back soon again and uh, enjoy some more. <laughs> and um, let's uh, let's see. Uh, maybe we meet up there in the future or when I go to Michigan uh, exactly, or anywhere exactly. else. In the US or Finger Lakes. Or, yeah. yeah, Finger Lakes. Yeah, would be cool. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So thank you very Perfect. much, Christine. Thank you. This was Have awesome. A nice day. I appreciate and, it. Um, yeah, let's, uh, uh, let's see if we can continue this chat because we talked about it before. Yeah, but I think yeah, there's a lot of interesting things. So if people uh, think like, okay, after this show, I want to learn more, then uh, yeah, yeah, we will uh, continue to talk. Would love it. I love there. it. Thanks. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Yeah, same to you. <laughs> All bye, right. bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye. So thank you, everybody, for watching. And uh, yeah, well, uh, actually, as I said, today was the season finale for season two. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Have a great weekend and uh, enjoy some great wine. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to visit us on Instagram at Dutch underscore wine underscore apprentice and check out our website www.dutchwineapprentice.com for the latest news and content. You can also subscribe to our newsletter through the contact section of our website. <laughs>